Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is Dee, and welcome to episode 73 of the Benzo Free Podcast. Um, for those of you watching this on video, I'm standing, I'm trying a little different. Um, I often sit on that stool that I have, um, and I notice I fidget a lot. <laughs> I think I think it's just um, me, my ADHD, my just kind of not always being comfortable on this rattan stool I have and stuff, so I'm going to try standing. Um, I might even fidget more. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. For those of you just listening to this, don't worry. Um, but you can picture me. I am standing with my hat on um, and a plaid shirt. Um, I like my plaid. I kind of have the whole L.L. Bean kind of thing going. <laughs> I like the more outdoorsy. Outdoorsy. Wow, that was a good break. <laughs> nice nice voice inflection there. But I like the more outdo outdoorsy. Well, outdoorsy. I'm in good shape, um, and I'm just letting it ride. <laughs> I'm not going to edit that out. But I seem to like the more outdoorsy, outdoorsy, yeah, that would be it, outdoorsy type of clothing. So, you know, I'm most comfortable in jeans and a sweatshirt or a flannel shirt or something you'd want to curl up next to the fire in or go for a hike or, you know, a little snowshoeing or something. That's just, that's who I am. Um been having a little bit of cog fog lately. Um, it comes and goes. Um, and it kind of, I was having a lot of trouble writing this script yesterday. Um, again, with the podcast now, I'm still scripting about half of it, but a lot of it is just notes. Since I'm also on video, I don't like to just read. So a lot of it's just triggers for me to kind of talk about things. It got me thinking, and um, I was going a different direction with today's topic. But I realized we hadn't really talked about Benzo Brain or Cogfog much lately, and I thought maybe this is a good time to do that. So live events, um, putting together some new live events. As you know, this past month I had our, my first um, live YouTube chat online. Um, not a lot of people attended the actual live one, partly because I didn't advertise it very well. But it went really well, and those who piped in, it was great. I really enjoyed it and um, got a lot of good feedback afterwards of people who have watched it since then. And um, I'm looking forward to do more of those. So there'll be another one of those coming up, probably a Saturday morning or something here in December. I haven't figured out the date yet, but it will be coming out. If you're interested in being alerted to those, please make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. That'll be the first place that I'll announce those. Caregivers has been a subject coming up lately in commentary um, from you all in feedback and everything. and. Um, it's one of those things that I've neglected too long. When we first started the podcast, we did a full episode on caregivers. I wrote several blog posts on caregiving. And it's something I don't want to 
neglect because those who care for us and take care of us during benzo withdrawal, during acute and protracted withdrawal, for those of us who have a severe case, they they deserve our respect, our gratitude, and everything because it's a really hard ask. It's really hard to do this and to ask somebody to stay with you. And I've, I've received so much good um, feedback from you all about that and about people who you value, your, you know, husbands and wives and brothers and sisters and parents and children who have gone through this with you and friends and supported you through all this. And um, I want to focus on that again. So hopefully we'll have a podcast coming up soon that will be on caregivers again, maybe even write a blog. I got to get back to write some blogs here and we'll get some more information out. So don't think I had much else to talk about here on the intro. I'm sure I could think of things and ramble on like I often do, but just to say, it seems like we're all kind of struggling a little bit with things, especially with the virus, especially with the holidays. Um, a lot of just the awkwardness and different opinions about how to handle this. And, you know, I know it's in our own family. I'm sure it's in your family too. And with your friends and people having different opinions of what that. Hey, maybe you heard that. That's Bear wanting to go outside. <laughs> I'll leave that in. But I think my wife, yep, I can now hear footsteps. <laughs> um, I'm hearing footsteps now going towards the door, so I don't have to run up to let them out. It sounds like Shanna's going to take care of that. But maybe that was very appropriate. That was Bear. <laughs> Just wanting to go outside. Anyway back to the virus and everything. So it's just been awkward. I know for a lot of people, I know it's the holidays coming up and it is spiking. I know around the world and we're going to get through this. And, um, I just hope we get through it without creating too much strain on our relationships, um, in the process, because it's okay that people have different opinions. And I think learning to accept people for their opinions and as they are is really important. So our format today will include our introduction, which you just heard, our mailbag benzo story feature and moment of peace. Our feature today is on benzo brain, which is cognitive and memory difficulties and withdrawal. So I think that's going to be a good one. Stick around for that. And before we move on, don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can always comment on our videos on YouTube or on our podcast posts or via our feedback form at easinganxiety.com feedback. And while you're there, perhaps you might want to subscribe to our mailing list or maybe even donate to support the work we do. Trust me, every little bit helps. And remember, the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. I hope you like that, okay? I shortened that up a little bit more <laughs> so it wasn't too long. It used to be longer, that section, and I tried to shorten it up a little bit more. So let's move on to our mailbag. We've been getting um, oh, a lot of great comments over the past several months, weeks. And um, I want to share all of them, but I just don't have time to. So I'm thinking I might have to do an episode coming up really soon. That's just rapid fire Q&A, you know, going through comments and questions quickly and commenting on them. And um, we've done that a few times in the past and those seem to be well received. So if your question or comment um, that you've shared doesn't wind up on here, hopefully it will maybe in the future, but I can't get to all of them. So I just really appreciate though. Oh God, my voice is cracking more today. 
I just really appreciate um, all your feedback and please keep it coming. It's been great. And from Florida wrote um, the following a while back on our YouTube channel. And I kind of wanted to share it today because I think it's prevalent with um, the increasing restrictions that we're dealing with during the holidays with COVID. She said in response to a video I posted on COVID and anxiety a while back. Possible the reason isolation is okay for us is during our tapers, we become accustomed to isolation. It's definitely nothing new for me. I was isolated during chemo for low immune system, then isolated during tapering from benzos. I don't know if it's good or bad. We've become accustomed to that isolation. Uh, many of us who have gone through benzodiazepine dependence and withdrawal and uh, other medical conditions that have forced that upon us. I've said a few times on here that I think I was a little more prepared for the isolation from COVID because of my experience with benzos. And I think that's definitely true. It has definitely helped. And I am, I, I think if I hadn't gone through that hardship of benzos, that this might be more difficult. But I also have somebody here in my home, my wife and my dog to share it with. And that makes it a lot better. Not everybody has that. And I know that makes it extra difficult. But I do think benzo withdrawal helps to train us for these hardships that come along in life. And, and it's one of those positives that comes out of this. And because it is a hardship, an extreme hardship in its own, it helps us learn how to handle future ones. And it definitely helps us, I think, become more accustomed to that isolation. Just, just remember that once we can socialize, once it's okay for us to get out more often, to push that envelope when you can. You don't want to let the isolation take over. Our second question is from Robert in West Virginia. Um, this is a common question that's been asked several times, so I like to address it periodically here on the podcast. Robert said, I used benzos recreationally for 45 years, the last 15 years heavily under a doctor's care. I decided to go to detox facility and they damn near killed me. My family doctor took over my withdrawal three and a half years ago using oxazepam, 10 milligrams, as taper for six months. I've been clean for three years now and still feel like I'm having symptoms sometimes. Recently, I had a procedure on my back where they gave me two milligrams of Valium, and I've been feeling a little strange since. I'm wondering if this could be caused by rebounding. Thanks for the question, um, Robert. That's a great one. I know it's one we all probably will face at some point or have faced. Um, I've thought about it many times. I haven't faced it yet, but I have thought about it. And, and it makes sense. It makes sense that we're afraid to take another drug. I mean, we've taken so long coming off them. So to take another dose, even a single dose, is of concern. Let's jump back to Ashton Manuel really quickly. And let's, let's mention what she said there. Ashton says, Many ex-users are terrified that if they are given a benzodiazepine, for these purposes, they will become dependent all over again. They can be reassured. A single dose of a benzodiazepine given for an operation does not bring back the addiction. Although the stress of an operation may reawaken the anxiety symptoms, 
experienced during benzodiazepine withdrawal. Symptoms reported under these circumstances have usually been the result of fear. Many personally observed patients have had repeated doses of midazolam, a short-acting benzodiazepine, for dental procedures. Dental phobia is common in withdrawal. And other benzodiazepines, including diazepam, for major and minor surgery, and have recovered without complications. Now, first off, I know some will hear that and jump on the word addiction. Um, don't forget, Ashton does use the term addiction periodically in her manual. It doesn't mean that she's separating that and saying this is the addiction type of um, addictive behavior addiction. She's really talking about dependence. It's just the terminology that was used more at that time. Um, that being said, it's clear that Ashton believes that a single dose of benzos, either during withdrawal or after, is not going to set us back. I think she makes a good point there because our anxiety can cause so many problems. And sometimes we can attribute those problems to physiological causes when actually they're more psychological. I mean, just the thought of taking a benzo again can create the fear and anxiety within us, which then can cause symptomatology that we might then attribute to that benzo when actually it was just a wave triggered by our anxiety, either of the medical procedure or of just taking that drug. So it's something we got to keep in mind that, that symptoms aren't always caused by neurological damage from the benzos. Sometimes they're caused by our fear of benzos or our fear of the symptoms. And sometimes they're caused by other factors. I think that's important to, to know. So would I be concerned if I was prescribed a benzo or had to take a benzo for a procedure? Sure. I'm going to be concerned because I've been through this and I wonder if it's going to set me back. But I trust Ashton. I trust uh, most of the medical professionals that say that a one dose is not going to be a factor. And um, I think we're okay. I've talked to many people who have had it, who have said it's not been an issue. So I, I, would, I would trust them. But again, that's just me. And this is not medical advice. I can't do that. So you need to work with your doctor to decide what's best for you. And that closes out our mailbag for today. Um, thank you to everybody who's been writing in. And please keep them coming. I want more comments. I want more questions. I love getting them. They really feed the podcast. They feed our YouTube videos and they help me find the content um, that we're going to share here. So I really appreciate it. You can comment on YouTube. You can comment on our podcast posts. And you can also just comment on our website at easinganxiety.com slash feedback. So I think that's it. Let's move on to our Benzo story. Today's story is from Ed in Connecticut. Now, I've been corresponding with Ed for a while now, and it's been a lot of fun. We've had some great conversations. Ed's even sent me some photos of New England with the fall colors, um, ones that I'm very envious of. I'd love to get out there and see some of that color. Uh, he's also sent me some pictures of a train trip that he recently took in New Hampshire. And um, we both have this train affinity. <laughs> so it's been fun sharing that that um that that love of trains um I, I find train travel very soothing it kind of forces us to separate from the speed the incredible fast-paced world 
that's around us. And when you're going to train, you're kind of forced to take life a little slower. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. So, um, turns out uh, if we talk and Ed and I also both were air traffic controllers for a little while. So mine was a very brief stint, but it's kind of fun. That's one of the things I love about this is that I get to, um, find, you know, the commonalities with every one of you, there's something we can, um, connect on. Of course, there's the benzos. That's, that's the obvious one. Um, there's the anxiety, there's the isolation, the recovery, the, <laughs> the cognitive difficulties, all the fun stuff, but even more so it's fun to find these other interests that we can connect on and to really focus on those things that unite us more than the things that divide us. Something I'm really trying to do a lot more of in my life right now, which is find something with everybody that connects me. Um, even if we totally disagree on politics or religion or values or anything else, I can connect with that person on something different. And that's great. And focus on that. I just think it's something. Anyway, rambling on, moving on, let's get back to Ed. Because <laughs> this is Ed's story, not mine. Um, I do want to mention that Ed's story is kind of moderate, um, but it's always good to put a little bit of a caution up front to say it is still a story of benzo withdrawal. And if those types of stories are difficult for you to hear, it's okay to skip over them. Remember, you can always see our index in the descriptions. And now on a YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see them in the chapters right there on the, um, the timeline. Ed writes, Hi D, I've been listening to your podcast for some time now. And I've read your book a couple of times over as well. You have such great content and positive information. That is so important to keep in mind through Benzo Withdrawal. As a matter of fact, I'm watching vlog number seven and the pictures and videos you shared are just breathtaking. I live in New England, so we don't get to see the mountains or foothills like you showed. I correspond regularly with a friend in the UK. He is the one who turned me on to your channel, and you read a letter of his on your podcast many months back. He recommended I get in touch with you and share my story. I, I guess it's more of a status report than anything since I'm far from writing a success story. Or maybe it is just another voice of the thousands who are trying to navigate the challenges of benzo withdrawal. I had been prescribed benzos for as-needed use around 1999. I had taken them in various dosages from rarely to probably four or six milligrams in a week during my most trying times. The types ranged from Valium to Clonopin to Ativan, as my doctor tried to fit me in with the best benzo. In April 2019, I decided to quit drinking alcohol as I felt it gave me too much anxiety or hangover anxiety and just wasn't good for my health overall. A few months later in July, 2019, I decided to quit benzos as well, as I understood their action on GABA to be very similar to alcohol. And I felt to be truly free of substances that the benzos had to go to. Since I wasn't taking benzos on a daily basis, I just quit them without considering a taper plan. So fast forward about 15 months, and I'm still feeling the symptoms of benzo withdrawal. 
tinnitus hit about a month after I quit and has been pretty constant. I also have really debilitating fatigue, though I do still manage to work and make it through the day. Speaking of work, my job is very stressful, and I also find it so much more difficult due to lack of energy, general malaise, and lack of interest, and an undercurrent of anxiety because things are so unsettled with COVID and employment, as I know you understand very intimately. I do have some better days now and then, windows as they say, though I feel like I still have so far to go. The waves are still long and deep, and it is hard to keep a positive outlook being dashed against the rocks. I try to keep my diet in check, I speak to a therapist, and I also try to get a good night's sleep. Overall, I feel I'm doing the right things, but also feel like I'm kind of treading water. Praying for better days ahead and an end to the recovery process. Keep up the great work with benzo-free and easing anxiety. You have certainly found your calling. Cheers. Ed from Connecticut. Oh, thanks, Ed. Um, great update. And I'm really glad the podcast has helped. Uh, the video that Ed mentioned was um, vlog number seven. It's called Anxiety Overwhelm COVID and a Trip to Estes Park. <laughs> That's one I did that was just trying to break out of the studio for a bit so it had pictures of hot air balloons sunsets estes park our former home up in the mountains um and i'll do some more of that here down the line but i'm glad that the images were were enjoyed by some of you um the alcohol thing that ed mentioned deciding to quit um that's such a complication to all this as we know alcohol does act on the same GABA receptors as benzos in fact, um, benzodiazepines, one of the still appropriate prescriptions for benzos is often alcohol detox, again, because it helps people detoxing from alcohol to come off. But then we have to come off the benzos. <laughs> it can be a vicious cycle. But they do act on the same receptor. So it's something to always keep in mind, something to be aware of. If you are drinking during dependence and withdrawal, it's something to really consider whether or not you want to keep doing that because it can complicate your withdrawal. We've done um, some, we've talked about that many times before and done episodes on it. I won't go into details now, but it also mentioned the debilitating fatigue. Definitely something I think a lot of us are feeling right now. I'm, I'm fighting the fatigue a lot lately. Um, I know it can come with COVID too, but I don't think that's the factor here. But that fatigue can linger um, just like the cognitive difficulties it can linger and it can be a hard one for some people to get back he, he also mentioned how his job is very stressful and um i get that um i'm still as he mentioned without work um i mean not without work i have work it's this channel it's what i'm doing here but without any type of steady income type of work um, could I go back and do database programming and that kind of stuff as I did before? Maybe. Maybe not. I'm not sure. I think the stress and the anxiety and the overwhelm and the pressure, I'm not sure I'd make it. So, you know, I do this. And um, I, it's funny, I work twice as hard on this. But because it's my own timeline 
and schedule that I'm doing for the videos and everything else, it's something I can monitor, I think, a little better. And I have a little flexibility with it. But I, I totally get where Ed's coming from. He said he has some better days now. And I'm really happy to hear that. But also mentioned, kind of feels like I'm treading water. And I thought that was a great, a great phrase that Ed used there. Because I think in the middle of benzo withdrawal, especially in acute and protracted, it's exactly what it feels like. Like we're making no progress. We're just treading water. And, um, and I get that. We are making progress. I totally believe this. We are healing during that time. It's just so minute or slow for some of us that we can't see it until we like keep a journal or keep records and we look back to where we've been six months or a year ago and we realize, wow, I've, I've come a long way. And that, that helps. So not a bad idea to track your progress because being able to go back and look where you've been can make a huge difference. Anyway, thanks, Ed. Um, it's been great writing with you. I've really enjoyed our conversations. I look forward to more um, in the future. And maybe hopefully I can get up to New England sometime and we'll be able to have some coffee or something. Um, you know, I didn't say a drink. <laughs> no alcohol. Coffee. Um, maybe decaffeinated coffee. <laughs> we'll see how it all plays out. Um, please still need stories. Um, love to get your stories. Send them in. Go to easinganxiety.com slash feedback, submit your story there, and I'd love to hear from you and share it here on the podcast. And Ed's, I will also post on our stories on our website here as I get caught up with things. So I'm still catching up on adding stories to the website, but we'll be adding them to places and that'll be nice. And that's the end of our um, Benzo story section. Let's move on to our feature. Our feature today is on cognitive difficulties and memory difficulties of withdrawal. Um, what we sometimes call benzo brain or cog fog or fuzzy brain or crazy brain or hyperactive raccoon brain. I'm just making that up. Um, <laughs> I know there's a lot of other terms we have used for this. I was just having fun. I do want to put um, some caution here at the beginning of our feature, kind of trigger warning, because this symptom can be a lingering one and one that causes a lot of fear in people. And um, talking about that, including the facts that I, some, I want to share, and some of the facts aren't that positive. Um, and I mean, there are other, other positive ones too, and we'll get to those, but um, some of the initial ones and studies and stuff are that positive. And I want to give a little bit of caution up front that um, I'm going to share facts with you and I'm not going to suppress information. I'm not going to lie to you. So I'm going to be objective and honest. It's something I promise to do and I will always do that as best I can. Um, so that's why I think it's important to share this information. But if this is of concern with you and you are afraid that maybe this could be a triggering event, Perhaps it's okay. Perhaps it's best for you to skip the feature and move on. Um, anyway, that being said, I'd like to open here with a quote. This is from Dr. Alan Francis. If you meet an elderly patient who seems dopey, confused, has memory loss, slurred speech, and poor balance, your first thought should be benzo side effects not Alzheimer's disease or dementia.
That's pretty strong. Um, I use that one in my book from Dr. Francis. And for those of you who don't know, Dr. Alan Francis has been a, a big um, proponent of benzo awareness and um, trying to get the word out there about benzodiazepine damage. He's had some pretty strong quotes <laughs> and um, been some information that's been helpful for us to try to get the word out. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lingering symptom and it's a common symptom and it makes sense. I mean, let's face it that these, med these drugs, this medication does create damage to our neurological system, which our brain is one big part of our neurological sy system. So the fact that it causes brain damage of some type is pretty obvious. Um, we sometimes, I think, tiptoe around the topic and don't want to say brain damage. We don't want to say neurological damage. I'm not saying permanent here. I'm just saying that there's been some damage. And I think it's pretty clear for those of us who have been through this severe cases of withdrawal and are still struggling to try to find that clarity. I'm one of those people. Again, much better than I was. And I do believe I'm still healing. But six years off benzos, I still have some cognitive difficulties and some memory difficulties. And it doesn't always, um, it's not always the success story that I think everybody's looking for, but they're still there. Now, I do know people who say they've continued to heal through 10 years and beyond. And some people have told me that their cognitive difficulties are gone away completely, you know, in six months, 12, 18 months. So again, I'm an extreme case. Please keep that in mind. This is not what happens to everyone. You know, I wanted to tell a short um, anecdote here. I've mentioned, hinted at that we've, um, I work with people in the state here that are benzo survivors and benzo organizers and doing some great work. In fact, we've got a, a meeting tomorrow. I got a, I'm an attending. Um, and we're doing some, some good work, really, I think, about trying to get a clinic started, trying to um, get more awareness, education of physicians, a lot of really cool stuff. But a year ago, I, I first met up with this one lady and she was wanting to get some litigation, not litigation. What's the word I'm looking for? Okay, it's not litigation. It's legislation. That's the one. <laughs> Sorry. Benzo Bright, see right there. <laughs> no, that's probably just me not thinking the word. But I do sometimes have trouble pulling words now. Um, but legislation, trying to find some ways of helping to increase benzo awareness in our state. Anyway, we started collecting some other people um, and some just amazing people who have now become really good friends of mine. And that's developed and that's worked into this new group. We've had other groups joining us and it's really taken off. You've seen the interview with Dr. Rob Valick. He's part of this group. You've seen, you probably have, may have heard if you go back a little way, the interview we had with Dr. Um, Stephen Wright. He's part of this. And we've been making some great progress. Anyway, it was funny because I remember when we were first going to present our um, case to the Colorado Department of, let me see if I get this right, Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. Yeah, that's what it is, which is basically our state health board, state health organization. And we had finally had an opportunity to present to the director of the state board there. And it was pretty exciting that we got that opportunity. Anyway, we were meeting at Panera 
um, you know, having a little coffee and a sandwich before we had our meeting. And it was a bunch of benzo survivors in that group. I think there were four of us at that time. And I remember because how, how clear it became that none of us were operating off of anywhere near 100% cognitive ability. Many of us were operating off much less. And the joke was, together, maybe we have one brain. Now, that's extreme, and that's usually meant for, um, as comedy. But I remember it, and it sticks with me, because we would often have to alternate, especially depending on who's having good days and bad days. And there was one gal who's been off it for years, Benzos, myself who had been off it for years, not quite as long as her, a couple other people who are still in acute going through trouble, another one who's still polydrugged and still on Benzos. So we were all at different stages, but we were all struggling with the cognitive issues. And sometimes one of us would be having a bad day or week, so the other ones would pick up the pieces and we would kind of have to trade off. But it really became clear how common this is, it became clear to me how common this is with people. It's one of the most common symptoms of benzo withdrawal. Um, let's go back to Ashton real quick. Um, Ashton stated the following in her manual. Although it is well known that benzodiazepines impair memory and some cognitive functions, particularly the ability to sustain attention, some long-term users complain of continued loss, continued loss of intellectual abilities persisting after withdrawal. There have been several studies in this question which indicate that improvement may be very slow. The longest studies in therapeutic dose long-term users extend for only 10 months after withdrawal. Cognitive impairment, though slowly improving, persisted for at least that time and was not related to anxiety levels. That's not easy to listen to, um, not easy to hear. Um, and the studies that she mentions also weren't. I did more research and I came across the same studies, not from hers, but I came across the same studies in my own research when I wrote my book. And it was these two Swedish studies. So let me just add this and then we'll We'll come down from the ledge and talk about the good stuff. The first of these studies was a Swedish study. The first of these two Swedish studies were pub was published in International Clinical Psychopharmacology. And it found that many users complained that it took years before their previous mental capacity returned. Okay, that being said, let's talk about the second one. The second study published in Psychological Medicine detailed similar effects. The study stated. The main cognitive functions assessed in this study include working memory, verbal learning and memory, visual motor and visual conceptual skills. The lack of evidence for clinically significant cognitive recovery raises concern about the severity and reversibility of any underlying benzodiazepine induced organic impairment. So that's hard to hear. Um, for those of us who have been on benzos, I understand that. Some of these Swedish studies had discovered that intellectual impairment, although improved, was still present four to six years after cessation. Okay, 
Um, that's the bad news. Um, <laughs> I just needed to get that out there. There's a lot of good news too. So please, um, now we can come down from the ledge here. And sorry, I don't mean to joke about that. By saying come down from the ledge, I'm not referring to suicidality. I didn't mean it that way. Um, I just mean mentally from that, you know, ledge in our brain. Okay. Um, but let's, let's back off a little bit. These studies were difficult to, to, and I, I posted them in my book and that's one of the reasons I'm not posted. I've, I, I listed these in my book, um, and some of these quotes. And, and so I wanted to mention them here because I'm not going to, I'm not going to suppress information from you. Then you're not going to trust me. I need to tell you the information in the studies that are out there and be honest. So that's why I said the trigger warning on this. And that's why I'm being, I'm being honest, but, but let's just, let's, let's move on and, and think about this because so this lingers. Okay. This can linger. Now let's go into this again. Don't forget that, you know, majority of people coming off benzos, even after long-term use often don't have severe symptoms. Okay. We are still the minority. And those like me who are in protracted withdrawal are probably that 10 to 15%, even a further minority of people who are long-term users. So there's only a small percentage of us that may go through this long protracted withdrawal battle. And that includes the cognitive function and memory loss issues. So I really want to emphasize that this is not everyone. In fact, it's not most people. Okay. It's the select few that this happens to. But before we move on to that, let's take a quick look at three areas that seem to be where this difficulty lies. Memory and learning is mentioned by this. This is a hard one. We just forget things. We don't remember things. It's, um, I, I thought about getting, um, an advanced degree a couple times during my withdrawal and after. I just thought it might be good. I've had, I got a bachelor's, but I thought it might be good to get a master's. Always thought it'd be good. I, I love to learn, but for several reasons, including cost, of course, um, and, um, others, one of the reasons was I wasn't sure I could learn at that level and keep up with other students, especially during withdrawal. And even now a little bit after now I have written and talked with some people who have gone through and got master's degrees in the middle of their withdrawal. So maybe I'm wrong on that. And I, and I think that's awesome that they've done that. Um, but memory is a problem for us and I've never had a great memory. Um, ADHD doesn't help memory either. And I have ADHD and there's been other reasons too, that maybe my memory's never been solid uh, my long-term memory of childhood is almost non-existent. It's just who I am but it's definitely worse after benzo withdrawal. So some of this might be age for me. Some of it might be ADHD. Um, but also some of it probably is benzo recovering from the benzo. So I still have memory issues. It's just part of it. Overwhelm and multitasking is the second one. Um, overwhelm is really common and we get irritated and we get angry when we get overwhelmed, we can get sad, we can get depressed, we can get frustrated, so frustrated. It's a big piece of this. And I still have that. And that's a tough one. Sometimes, um, I mentioned once on one time on here that, 
I can't cook breakfast in the morning. And my breakfast is very basic. I pop an egg in the microwave and I pop some grits in the microwave or something. It's a process I do almost every morning, simple. But I can't do that and talk with my wife at the same time and have a conversation. I can't do both. Never been great at multitasking before. But, and, and it's getting a little better now. I'm starting to get a little bit of that back, I think. But overall, multitasking is something that's not good for me. Not that it's good for any of us. Um, and most studies have shown that multitasking, those who multitask often don't do as well on the tasks they're multitasking. It's just uh, there's a limit to our brains and what we can focus on. But it's definitely not what it used to be for me. And so it's frustrating. And that overwhelm can overtake us. And I sometimes just shut down and I'll leave the room and I'll just let everything kind of quiet for a minute for me to get back to where I was. So knowing how to monitor that, knowing how to work through that is something important. And the third one is visual motor skills. This one's come up a lot, especially with the elderly, because the elderly have difficulty driving. It just happens as we get older. Okay. I'm starting to get there. Some of you are already there. I know I've spoken with many of you. And our skills, our response time, our reaction time, our ability to drive does diminish as we get older. Now, there are some 90-year-olds who can still drive fine. But there are some 65-year-olds who are already having trouble. Benzos doesn't help that. And so one of the concerns we have is elderly on benzos driving and operating heavy machinery. The guess is, is that a lot of accidents, there might be many accidents out there that have been caused by this combination. We just haven't really done the studies to identify that specific factor. And I think we need to, to find out. Okay. So those are the three areas. I kind of wanted to hint on them. Um, I've sensed some of those, um, especially the overwhelm and the memory issues. Um, not so much the visual motor skills. Maybe I have some of it and I just don't notice it. But I know other people have. And this, these can be problems. But let's look at the positive stuff. i got four things here I want to mention in closing that are positive. And so let's end on this note so we can, we can, um, we can leave with, that, with that, that kind of attitude. Number one, remember it's not always benzos. We have symptoms. We have cognitive problems. We have memory problems. We have um, anxiety. We have a lot of things. And it's not always benzodependence and withdrawal causing it. We're still human. We're still going to get illness. We're still going to have other issues. We're going to have age-related problems. We're going to have all kinds of situations that happen to us. It's not always benzo withdrawal. We often want to think it is because that's clearly where we're going to go. And sometimes we're right. Many times we are right. But please remember that cognitive decline, memory decline, isn't necessarily the benzos. There might be something else causing it. It's a good idea to get checked out by your doctor, by other people, when you're having these problems to make sure to eliminate other possibilities. Number two, there is still no evidence of permanent brain damage from benzos. This is important. Um, we still heal. We still seem to heal. It can be a very slow process for some of us, but we still seem to heal. Ashton said the following in her manual, despite several computed tomography scan studies, 
no signs of brain atrophy have been conclusively demonstrated in therapeutic dose users. And even the results in high dose abusers are inconclusive. It is possible that benzodiazepines can cause subtle changes which are not detected by present methods. But on the available evidence, there is no reason to think that any such changes would be permanent. That's good news. Now, have there been some studies since then? A few, mostly inconclusive. We're still waiting. We still need a lot more research to be done. Um, but still, at this point, from what I've seen, there are no studies that have proven that any of this is permanent. Any of the brain damage is permanent. We heal. It takes a while, but we heal. So please keep that in mind. Number three, what can you do about it? Exercise your brain. Use your mind. Your brain is a muscle. When it's not used, it atrophies. If you're afraid that your brain has been negatively affected by this, then use it. Do puzzles. Do crossword puzzles. Play chess. Learn a skill. Learn a language. Use your brain. Get out there and use it. And get out there and exercise. Exercise also adds oxygen to your bloodstream and gives more oxygen to your brain. That's a good thing. So use your brain. It's a use it or lose it. Keep it active. Keep it moving. Learn things. Learn about benzodiazepines. Learn about whatever it is that interests you. But use your mind. Don't let it sit there and atrophy during all of this. Okay? And number four is my own personal experience. Um, yeah, I still get cognitive issues with memory. I still get um, problems. I still have things that, that creep up on me. But I'm better. I'm a lot better than I was, as I mentioned. And I'm getting better, I believe, every day. I really do. Doesn't mean I don't have waves where I have setbacks and I still have issues, but I'm getting better every day. Like this last one where I had the cognitive problem and it struggled for a while. These waves of symptoms, they don't last as long and they're not as severe. They're milder now. They kind of come, I get a little affected, but most of the time I just kind of ignore them and I move on and I get on with my day. They don't take me down. They don't change my life every time they happen. It's now a little bit of an afterthought and I move on. And I think they're getting less and less each and every time. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want this one to be too negative. I want you to leave here with some hope, but I also wanted to be honest with you. Remember, there are no signs, no evidence that this brain damage is permanent, but I think we all knew that there is some damage to our neurological system, which includes our brain. If you've been listening to the podcast or reading any information online, that's what these drugs do. They alter, they alter the receptors, the GABA receptors. They also alter other things. There are effects both on the primary and peripheral nervous systems. It's a fact. And those changes take time to heal, to recover. Much longer than many of us want, but for some people, they can recover quite quickly. It's just for some of us, it takes a while. So bear with, bear with me. Um, I just wanted to cover that. It was information I felt that was important to get out there. I hope it wasn't too negative. 
I hope it was informative and I hope it helps you move forward. But just know I'm pretty happy. I'm doing really well. I love what I'm doing now in life after my benzo experience. And, you know, I'm in the 90% recovered area now, which is awesome. That's awesome. But I am also an extreme case. Most of the cases you read online are extreme cases. Many people recover from this with little or no problem. So please don't let this be something that gets you down. I just wanted to provide the information in case somebody's doubting that there might be some brain issues with this or cognitive issues. I wanted to provide the evidence for you. And I wanted to keep you informed because I think that's important. Anyway, that being said, thank you for listening to the future. Please let me know what you think. I'm really curious to get your feedback on this one, and I appreciate it. Now, just allow me about 30 seconds for our disclaimer before we get to our moment of peace. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering on any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute. And it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. Please remember you should only do this if you are in a safe place where you can close your eyes, relax, and let the world pass by without you for a minute. For those of you watching this on video, I'll insert some calming images during this time for your relaxation. Today we are going to return to our basic breathing meditation. I'd like to return to this one periodically because it's the simplest and one of the most effective forms of meditation. All you have to do is pay attention to your breath. Breathing in, breathing out. If your mind wanders, and it will wander, just gently bring it back and focus on your breath. Let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day. One more time. Take a deep breath in.
hold it for a second and let it out slowly, relaxing your entire body. Now just breathe slowly and naturally and focus on your breath. Breathing in and breathing out. Continue to do this for one minute. Our next scheduled episode is episode 74 and it will be released on January 1st. Thanks for joining me today and please let us know how we did. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.